0: you are now entering the mxu podcast no credentials required hey everybody welcome to episode 134 of the mxu podcast i'm jeff sandstrom and i am thrilled to be hosting our first episode of 2023 happy new year i hope you guys had a great christmas season i hope that your new year is off to a great start after maybe some much needed rest after all of your christmas services and i'm really excited about our episode today we have a lot to cover We're going to be joined later by Brenton Miles, who mixes for Carrie Job and Cody Carnes, and Corey Edwards, who, of course, mixes for Elevation. They're going to talk about our experience together at the Passion Conference this year in Atlanta. So can't wait for that interview. Um, But first, I have a really exciting thing to tell you about the MXU platform. You've asked for it. We've talked about it. And it's finally here. If you're a team subscriber to MXU, you now have the ability to upload custom content to the platform. And there's several ways that I see this happening. First, you know you could create a welcome video for new team members. You could develop your own training content around a specific process or piece of gear that you have in your workflow. Or you could build a knowledge base of quick video answers for your team's most common questions. Once the video is recorded, you just upload it from your phone or computer directly to MXU. You can add searchable text and publish to your team with automatic notifications. After your custom video is published, you can even track their progress to make sure that they're all taking time to watch the videos and grow together in their roles. The MXU platform is now the home for your team's personalized content any day of the week. So if you're not a team subscriber, you gotta sign up today. We're so excited about this feature. So go to getmxu.com and sign up your team today. But the big thing that I want to announce today, first and foremost, is that the MXU 75 is back for another year. So last year we had over 1,500 of you who joined in with us on our 75-day health challenge. So the way it worked last year is basically from Valentine's Day to Easter was 75 days. So we started with coaching and habit training that we could basically become healthier versions of ourselves in those 75 days so we're doing it again so i backed up 75 days from easter and this year that starts in two weeks on january 23rd so just like last year we're going to be coached and encouraged and all of our programming is coming from dr barrett dubert who's with us today Um, dr barrett thanks so much for partnering with us again and we're thrilled to be doing this again because I know how helpful it was for people last year. So thanks again for being with us.
1: Oh, man, I'm stoked. Uh, just the stories that you shared and uh, that people shared about their experience with 75-Day Challenge was incredible. It's what I live for, uh, life change. And uh, and I just love the structure of how we do it, which is habit stacking. And, yeah. uh, and you see people you know continu- you continue the journey all the way through the year. So that's that's what makes me so excited.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who kind of weren't around last year, let me just catch you up. So Dr. Barrett Dubert is a doctor of chiropractic in Knoxville. He also is a health coach, fitness trainer. They've got CrossFit stuff going on, all kinds of naturopathic wellness uh, approaches. And it's just, it's an incredible facility. And their team is just great at bringing people to uh, better health in general. And so he's our sort of guru for our challenge so why don't you tell everybody first of all what habit stacking is and why we think it's so important yeah you know you have a couple
1: options when it comes to making health changes we all know we need to make changes it's just sometimes difficult to figure out where do i start and then a lot of people what we find is they hit it really really hard because they're sick and tired of being sick and tired so they're like i'm gonna i'm just go all in on this classic like intense uh, change of lifestyle and health but what we find is that, Jeff, is, you know, it's not sustainable. Right. It's, and, and so I would rather someone make a 1% change today and consistently make those 1% changes than try to attempt a 100% or a 360 degree full change and then expect them to sustain something that they haven't been doing for 20, 30 years. So the concept with that MXU 75 is that every five days, there's a new simple habit that you stack on top of a foundation that's very practical. No matter where you're at in your health journey, you're going to start at a very easy pace and then you're going to be able to sustain it because all we're doing is every five days adding one little percent upgrade to what we've already established. And what we find is that You know, at 75 days, we've made all of this progress that now is a sustainable system that they can carry through the rest of the
0: year. Yeah, you know, when people talk about habits, you know, it used to be you can form a habit in 21 days. And then people said, you know, that's not really enough. It's more like 60 days. You know, we really need to sort of ingrain things in order for them to become a habit. So we've got 75 days. So some of these habits, you know, for me last time, the habit of hydration Was a big deal. And so, one of our challenges is that we start, the very first thing we do is drink a certain amount of water a day. And over time, that increases so that by the end of it, we're drinking basically about a gallon of water a day or half your body weight in ounces of water per day. So, that to me, you know, throughout the course of our last trip through this, it was pretty simple, right? Just drink water. And it was amazing how much of a change that made over time. You know, we heard story after story of folks who had incredible change. Either people lost a bunch of weight, or they accomplished a fitness goal that they never thought they could, or they started walking and realized that just walking was such a benefit for them mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Um, So there's a lot of variance, but we had a couple of stories of guys who literally had their lives saved by what they did through mxu 75 last year one guy had no idea that he had a hidden heart condition his doctor said man i'm glad you came in because they realized he needed you know bypass surgery and had really a dangerous situation completely turned around and he has mxu 75 to thank for his just health awareness and his transformation so i'm excited for people to have experiences like that again um so for those of you guys who were with us last time, let's just talk through a little bit about what is going to change. I think the basics are going to stay the same, but we've added some variations to the format so that people who were with us last time, who feel like they're in a great spot, they can maybe build on what we did last year in a programmatic way.
1: Yeah, we, we would call this like leveling up MXU 75. So this is for the people that may be, hey, I'm already pretty seasoned in my health I've been on a journey for a while, and I'm just looking to upgrade and be accountable um, within a community, so this is perfect for you, or that you've already done MXU 75 in 2022, so you're doing MXU 75 in 2023, and you've already been doing it for 365 days, so what do we do today? Well, we're going to level you up. So We're just going to add some different health challenges, make it a little bit more of a a a challenge to you if you've already set these foundations in terms of exercise, nutrition. We're going to kind of add in some health hacks earlier, like cold plunging, and talk a little bit about that earlier on than later. And then even like fasting protocols, we're going to start to implement at an earlier level. Uh, The nutrition is going to be a little more refined too. We're not going to wait as long to start eliminating things like alcohol and sugar. We're going to do that earlier. And what, what, this, what this does is it allows us to see success earlier, but also it's for the person that, I, for I don't know, for me, I'm a black and white guy, so when I go all in, I can go all in and actually sustain it. And some people just operate that way. So even if you haven't done MXU 75 and you're like, hey, I want to go all in, you are more than welcome to choose this option knowing that, hey, if the wheels come off, which they may, you can always default back to the foundational option or the opposite. The foundation's like, hey, this is a little bit too easy. Let's upgrade after a couple of weeks. I'm able to do this. And so it just gives some leeway for people that have a little bit more experience or they've done it in the past.
0: That's good. And if you're not experienced, and this is the first time you're trying to do anything like this, I would say the foundational option is awesome because really all you need to get started is a water bottle and a journal. Because that really is like the first, the first five days is you go for a walk and you drink some water. And we build on that every five days until Easter when you'll see that you're able to do more, sleep better, focus more, be less stressed. I mean, all of these things will happen if you just stick with us as we stack these habits every five days. That's right. We're so excited. Now, we've also figured out some ways to connect better in community as well. Uh, because I really think it's important that we feel like we're a part of something bigger than just ourselves and our mirror or our, you know, squat rack or our exercise room. Like, I, I want people to feel like they're a part of a community who is kind of locking arms in this. So what are we doing to support that?
1: Yeah, it's something that I do with my with my um, armor nutrition clients here in Knoxville and, 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 and whoever's plugged in the program, even virtually, is that we have weekly – um, discussions where there is a, is a Facebook live group. uh, and we're going to be doing this with MXU 75, where we'll have a weekly, once a week, um, discussion where I'll be presenting on different health topics. Why do we hydrate? Why do we want to move our bodies? Why do we need resistance training? Uh, what's the deal with cold showers? And so we not only will help you understand what habits are coming down the pipe to stack and explain those with intention but we're also going to spend some time and educate you and, and actually add some value to the why behind we us doing these things. And then the community is great because we get to share pictures of uh, us outside walking. We get to share pictures of our plate that we're eating. And we get to ask questions. So there will be a team that will actually answer questions real time in that Facebook group that helps you understand, okay, we're not just doing this. Here's the program. C in seventy five days. We want to be involved in your day to day and help you on that journey by answering questions that may come that
0: may come up on a daily basis. That's great. So I'm really excited about it. So um, the other thing that we programmed last time that I want to be more intentional about is the um, the the regular daily prayer and study time. So. Um, I'm going to publish a list of maybe some recommended books that, hey, if, if any of our crew is interested in going through a book together, here's some great options. If anybody would like to study a book of the Bible together, here's a great way to start that. You know, it, as, we, as we pray for each other and pray together with each other, I think it's going to be really important that we, we know that there are ways for us to connect on a spiritual level as well. So we're going to be really strategic about making those resources available as well, because I think all of us within 75 days have the ability to read a book, right? So let's do that together. Let's find a couple of books that we can focus on together, and then that gives us things to talk about. It gives us ways to build our team. It gives us ways to kind of troubleshoot issues about leadership or about a spiritual component or about our emotions that we may not be able to do necessarily alone as well. So I'm really excited about it. Um, So for the people who are coming into this thinking, okay, I've already made sort of a a New Year's plan and kind of a resolution to um, to do better. Um, maybe I want to do a whole 30 to start the year, or I want to do some other kind of diet. Is this exclusive of that? Or do you think that can be in addition to that? Like what, what would you say to somebody who's already going, okay, I got my new year's thing figured out. Why should I do this?
1: Well, because I think we're more, uh, we're creating a more comprehensive health plan. A lot of times you'll get your, your nutrition plan, whole 30 or paleo or whatever you decide to do from a nutrition standpoint. Or maybe you have a fitness plan. Hey, for 90 days, this is my cycle of strength training, or I'm joining a CrossFit on-ramp program. Hey, check, check. Those are great. Yeah. But do you do you have a spiritual discipline plan? Do you have even just things like we talk about uh, hydration, health hacks that are going to add value to what you're already doing? So for us, we're really just trying to add more of a comprehensive, holistic plan to your health that encompasses the mental, physical, spiritual, and even when we start talking about nutritional exercise, yes, but we have these other areas of mind, spirit, and body that we're working on as well. So I would tell you there is an overlap, and you can just take what you want from this program, and if you want to upgrade it with a different program like Whole30, oh, definitely go for it. And so yeah. it works together versus you have to do either or.
0: That's great. Well, I'm excited about it. And we're going to have some information coming to you very soon about the specifics of the plan. So to sign up, we need you to go to getmxu.com slash mxu75. And you'll then get an email with all of the details. And so we've got two weeks to get some of momentum around this and get people motivated but honestly if you've never done anything like this i promise it's easy we're going to make it easy and it's literally just every five days you get a new thing to do and we build on those habits to stack them toward a healthier life by easter and i know that you are going to feel better your friends and family are going to like being around you more. <laughs> come on. You're probably, you're probably going to have more energy as you come into your Easter services and all the planning and programming that goes into that. So again, I'm so excited to see what is going to happen as this community comes together to tackle some of these issues because we all know how bad it is to just be sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so we want to partner with you in not just getting better at what you do from a production standpoint and technical stuff with gear, We want to help you get better at who you are, and that means as a healthy version of who God has created you to be, we're just super excited to see what's going to come out of this. So Dr. Barrett, we can't thank you enough for being our sort of guru in all of this and our guide, and we look forward to hearing from you as we move through the MXU 75. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks so much. So now it's time to get to our interview with Brenton Miles and Corey Edwards. So... Let's get to it. Well, I'm so excited today to be joined by two good friends. We just came off of Passion Conference. Passion 2023 is a wrap. So I figured what a better way to start the new year than to talk about our first event of the year. So today we have Corey Edwards and Brenton Miles coming on the podcast to talk about all things passion and all things audio and whatever else comes up. So guys, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having us.
2: Glad to be here.
0: Happy New Year. Yeah. So Corey's been on the podcast before several times. This is Brenton's first time on the podcast. So for those of you who don't know Brenton, uh, he's an awesome dude and a great engineer. He mixes uh, currently for Kerry Job and Cody Carnes, and they were all at Passion for both the Dallas and the Atlanta event. And then Corey, of course, mixing for Elevation Worship, and they... Uh, joined us in atlanta so we all got to be together this week in atlanta and it was awesome so mm, so fun um, have you guys gotten any rest yet at all it was a big week
2: a little I, bit i had to we we uh we drove down and then drove back the next afternoon so i got home and i was like if i don't sleep i might die I, okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's one of those situations
3: they are long days i feel like uh, they definitely know, are. You've got an event happening the entire time, and then having to you know check on everybody and make sure all your stuff's ready amidst the event going on. You know, it can kind of be a, a longer day. Yeah, and especially if if you want to experience any
0: of the event at all, it's like okay, we've got backline coming in, and we've got our techs and our gear and our crew that we've got to keep up with, but then. Ooh, I also want to hear this speaker, or I would love to hear Passion Band Mm -hmm. worship, or I want to go see some guys that I know. So even with that, even just keeping up with everybody because it's kind of like Old Home Week. You know, you Mm -hmm. walk in and there's engineers from Crowder's Camp and Passion's Camp, and you guys, and other other engineers who are serving with the crew in other areas. Like, you know, there might be an RF tech or a backline tech from a tour that you want to say hi to. So it's it tends to be this just endless revolving door of people and great content and music and all the stuff it's like it's like a festival but even more so because it's you know multi-day and a lot of great friends and all that so anyway it's it, it, it if you have a break at any point to be able to do some of those things it makes it even more fun because you get to catch up with a lot of friends, which is always
3: cool. That was one of the funnest parts for me at Passion was like people that kept coming up to front of house and like, oh, my gosh. Or you see them throughout the the venue uh, just throughout the day. It's like it really is home week. You're like, I just want to hang out. Like, do we have yeah. to work or can we like just hang out, <laughs> catch up? <laughs> just eat at catering the whole time would be awesome just to check in on everybody. But it was, it's always so fun. And then you're, you're right. You see people who are speaking or different teams that are there. Uh, Cause like in Dallas, it was kind of, there were some teams that were consistent for both weeks, but then like Corey shows up and his crew and it's just like, I just want to hang out. Like I didn't see you guys last week. We got to catch up and it's kind of that busy schedule. Um, but man, what a time I, I just, uh, it was such a special way. It's like our favorite way to kick off the year, for sure.
0: Yeah, this was my 18th passion in a row. I first served on the production team in 05 and then started mixing in 07. And it was, I mean, I, I look back and I think, how has it been this many passions? Um, but every year it's like there are surprises. God shows up in unique ways. It's, it's never just a rinse and repeat. The creativity of the set design and the staging and all of that this year was was pretty stunning. I, I just felt like the whole team, it, it, was, it was just such a great event. I know the video guys are going to talk on the MXU video podcast about some video specific stuff and cameras and all that. So I'm sure they'll give you guys a gear rundown and all the details of video on that podcast. We're not really going to talk about that side of things very much today, other than to say, um, PA-wise, Rat Sound provided the PA again, and it was um, L Acoustics, as per usual. uh, K1 over K2, we were in the round, so there were eight arrays uh, in the round, and so it was basically, we were mixing from the concourse level of the venue, and so we had kind of the wide side of the round, uh, and so it was four k1 over 12 k2 and a mirror of that on the other side and then the ends had two arrays as well in similar configuration firing to the ends so there was plenty of pa subs were hung in the middle of each of the arrays so the way we were oriented it was basically a left right around all four sides of the venue so Uh, the stereo imaging was was pretty good and the coverage was amazing i I don't think there was a bad seat in the house as far as pa maybe ours was the worst seat in the house because we (laughs) were under the overhang of the of the sort of balcony of the concourse level but even there it sounded really good to me it was it was it was great and the, the benefit for all of the spoken word content which is most of the Of the session. You know, you've got a 40 minute talk and host elements and all that. All of those mics were in the center of the room behind the PA. So, unlike being in the stadium where you're 150 feet out in front of the PA, so gain before feedback is terrible, you've got really good just control over some of those headset and handheld mics. And so I thought speech was the best it sounded in a long time. And the bands, of course, sounded amazing. So, Kudos to RAT for such a great deployment. Their engineers and the SE on the gig, they're just so talented and so nice and so hardworking. They're always a blast to work with. So, cheers to you guys at RAT for doing such a great job.
2: Yeah, they really did. Right? <clears throat> I, I do not enjoy mixing in the round. And, uh, you know, I think there were some potential challenges walking in, like no ground subs uh, was one that I was super nervous about and ben and the guys that we're at rat really did a stellar job tuning like yeah just it it felt really good and i almost forgot a couple of times we were in the round um
0: yeah and me so too.
2: it was it was fun
0: for people who are wondering why didn't you have ground subs just take a look on social and see some of the pictures because the stage <laughs> literally filled the whole floor so there was no room for subs on the floor. Because of the stage design. And so, you know, that to a lot of people would be a huge compromise and a challenge. But the rat guys took it on and were able to design and deploy a solution around that limitation that ended up sounding stellar. So... Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful.
3: And like you mentioned too, the, just their, their attitudes, their team, like so easy to work with, very encouraging. Um, and just being able to kind of visually see, uh, trying to check meters, you know, you're calling down, like, how does it sound down on the floor? How does it sound up high? And just making sure like everything was consistent. Cause you know, you can't, just walk an arena and with right. the fills and with everything and just how it kind of came together was just beautiful. Uh, and I agree, there were moments in the set where I just forgot that we were on a concourse level kind of at a disadvantage and it felt amazing kind of everywhere throughout the room. So it yeah. was awesome.
0: So one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, um, I know you've toured together before and, you know, Carrie and Cody are a part of a lot of what Elevation does in general, whether it's at the church, you know, leading on a weekend or whether it's on a tour. Um, So you guys have a lot of experience together. And I think there's a couple things that some of our listeners who are church audio folks can really learn from. So I want to talk uh, to—it's kind of the same question, but I'll let you both kind of answer based on your individual perspectives. Because one of the things that struck me was um, just the way you both manage the overall— set. I'm not talking about songs. I'm talking about the overall experience, the arc of the story that you're trying to tell. You know, we talk a lot about this at MXU that we're not just supposed to sort of get sounds and push faders to a certain point and call it good. It's like mixing is an active art, right? We're we're sort of playing the console along with the band. I want to feel, I want to feel like I'm playing the band in the way that they're playing keys or they're playing drums or they're playing guitar, I get to play the band. And part of that is the emotional impact that we're trying to go for. Um, so, Brenton, for you first, what I loved about, and I'm talking about Atlanta, there was a a pretty big kind of audible that was called based on what, because they were coming out of a talk. So their, mm-hmm. their worship set was coming out of... Christine Kane's talk for the night. And so the set didn't really start the way you guys had planned. It started with essentially just building from a whisper. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was literally like a pad Mm. and Carrie's vocal, and she was barely singing. Like, it was almost imperceptible. Mm. And for those of you who've seen Carrie, you know, sometimes she uses that to great effect. Like it's it's amazing how much emotion can come out of her barely singing. And then later in the song she may be just blowing the room away with her belting the, you know, final chorus of a song. So talk about talk about what it takes to manage that sort of almost silence all the way to a roar and back down again and and how, yeah. what you're thinking about in terms of how you're trying to help them create those moments.
3: Yeah. Well, I love what you said. I mean, coming out of uh, Christine's message, uh, Carrie was able to actually have a conversation um, with Christine before, and her message was about lingering, lingering in the presence of God and having a moment of um, just not moving away from from just being with jesus and so she speaks about that and we our plan coming out of that originally was to have passion do a response song and then they were going to transition to our set and we were going to start with firm foundation and our whole set actually started big and went to uh the song nothing else so it actually went from big and then all the way kind of dynamically downhill in a way where it's like a completely new new worship set Mm -hmm. and so right before the service we literally flipped the whole set list we started with nothing else and then we went backwards and ended with firm foundation and so in order to do that there's obviously a lot of like production audibles like i communicated with the um the venue uh, or not the venue but the production manager for passion and i was basically hey here's what we want to do can you communicate that with lighting lyrics video just making sure they know what the plan is um and then we uh, as it goes with Carrie and Cody, there's always kind of the unknown of a worship set. You know, there's kind of be ready for also these three bridges or choruses that we might go Mm -hmm. into. And so um, there's always kind of that sub set list that we also send out. Like after the dove, we might go into this and this and this or whatever. So there's always kind of that audible um, kind of in the moment thing that happens. But when it comes to mixing, I think the approach is exactly what you're saying. I think, Originally, and kind of coming from studio world and coming from kind of broadcast world, it's like when things get quiet, you have to push things louder. It's not like that live. It's like you're actually dynamically moving with the dynamics of the band. So if it starts quiet, I actually mix quiet and I'm mixing for the room and, and trying to not make, make sure the keys aren't louder than the vocals. So if she's whispering in a mic, it's got to be really tucked under yeah. and then grow with them as they build. Because then the drums come in and everything's minus 25 dB, it's going to feel super awkward. So you kind of have to push things as the band pushes things. So it's it's this massaging the mix that um, is very active and you have to be aware of where they're going, but you also have to be aware of what's happening in the room. And um, what I feel like is kind of the, uh, the biggest focus for me, and I know we've talked about this uh, before, is... Is you are a worship leader behind the console, you know there's no difference between being on a microphone or a drum set or a console. You are a worship leader, so you're you're engaged with what's happening from a spiritual level. You're paying attention to what's happening in the room. You're you're kind of you have to almost be in this sync with your worship leaders, um, like you would be a background vocalist, like knowing kind of where we're going. And also the unknowns we don't know, and so you kind of take it as it comes, and you're you know uh, taking what you're given, you know, and yeah, so that's good. That's what um, every single time we go out, you know, we we pray, we kind of talk through what the plan is, but that could easily change, and so kind of being prepared to be unprepared, you know, it's like yeah. being prepared so that you can pivot and call audibles.
0: Well, that's a great lesson because there. You know, in the middle of that, like there's this prepared so you can be unprepared. But then in the middle of that, you've got time code and you've got graphics that are following the form of the song. And you've got these massive LED elements that are reliant on those graphics to create impact for the audience. And so it's like holding both open handedly enough so that when it is time to go into the full song. Everybody's ready and everybody's yeah. prepared with what needs to happen. But then, I mean, I still keep going back to the very beginning of that set. It was so compelling and coming out of her message about lingering, you know, for you to partner with the band to go, "Okay, how can we reinforce that? How can we how can we have this moment that was it felt like it was probably 3 minutes long. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was very long, like almost uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. To really challenge people to go, okay, this is what that feels like. Right. I mean, it was, you did such a great job of crafting that moment with the band. So hmm. kudos to you. Now, I want to talk in a minute specifically about how some of that happened because I sure. noticed a few things about your technique that I think a lot of people will find useful. But before we go to the how, I want to get to Corey to ask you kind of the same question, but from the opposite perspective because when you guys started your set, it was not subtle.
2: No. <laughs> it,
0: was, it was guns a blazing and we are going to blow the roof off of this place and everybody was just going for it. Yeah. So there's an opposite approach. It's like, okay, when you, when you are in that mode, the challenge is how do you manage that in such a way that you still have somewhere to go? Mm. Because you're ending the set with Graves into Gardens and Rattle so you can't blow everything on the first song, but your first song was like, "Whoa, this is incredible!" Like, so again, it's a, it's a, it's managing that that opportunity. So, talk for a minute about the opposite end of the spectrum from Brenton.
2: Yeah, I mean, I actually saw the the start of this set that you are talking about with Carrie, um, and I agree; like it was it was exactly what it needed to be, and it it subtly grew into what the full band thing is. Um, This conversation I think is really unique and interesting when we're talking about what I'm doing with elevation, because we don't really do subtle. And, and I say that in (laughs) like, there is kind of an expectation that we, we kind of come in hitting hard. Um, And so my subtle moments are very different from someone like Brenton's with Carrie um, because, you know, we do come out of the gate swinging and we do want it to hit hard. Um, and so when we get into a quiet moment, kind of like what Brent was saying, like when Carrie's whispering, you've got to whisper in everything else. We're going from guns of blazing to what is more of a subtle moment, but I'm actually doing the opposite of what Brenton's doing in those times because I'm actually, I'm pushing the keys in a transition tag moment because I can't go from 100 to 20 back to 100. (laughs) Like I've got to kind of keep some of the dynamics up and loud so that you're not going from this shocking hundred all the way down, all the way back up. Um, And kind of like how Carrie has a has this flow in her set. We do to a degree, but we also have have very carefully thought out our transitions. Um, and there's some flex in that, but I kind of know what's coming like I yeah. know how we're getting from thing to thing. and so um, like there was a, a point in we we did same God into resurrecting and that is the song same God kind of dies. And then it's this kind of slow climb into into a thousand, and so like in some of those transitions, I'm I actually have the keys up eight dB from where they normally are to help keep the momentum of that, even though it's a quiet moment. Um, yeah. But then there's also times that I do back it all down. But I think in you know if we're talking about our passion set, we did keep it like my dynamic range options are not as big as other people's at times. And so I'm in that same headspace. but I think I I'm approaching it differently when I'm mixing elevation. Um, yeah. just to keep, keep up with what the band's doing. Um, because there is not always that like big soft drop of dynamics. Um, like I've seen with Carrie and Cody and, and they do that beautifully. Um, and I, you know, I do think Brenton follows that and it's just a different, I think it's a different approach. Same result. Um, mm, yeah. And same result, not necessarily being like the exact same thing like that uh, in the end.
0: Right. But it's a very similar mindset. I think you're not, you're not doing the same thing, but you're thinking about things in the same way. And I think, you know, for you, Corey, I think there's opportunities within songs to make that happen. Cause all, all good songs, but especially modern worship songs, have some of that ebb and flow dynamically, emotionally, all that. And so it's finding those moments and finding those parts within the band that help accentuate and facilitate those moments. Sometimes it's a piano, sometimes it's a guitar, sometimes it's a pad, sometimes it's an acoustic. And just knowing as an engineer, okay, in this song, this is the thing that I need to key on. So it's not just... Okay, we're going to wait and see what they do today. No, they're you know what they're going to do because you know the parts mm-hmm. and they're very consistent from every time you do the song. So, it's just I think as a especially as a beginner engineer or as a volunteer in a church who's just starting out, I think you know, there's a couple things. First of all, knowing the music, trying to get a handle on, okay, are these parts going to be the same every time we play this song and if so, What's the thing I need to hang my hat on musically to make these moments happen? And then if if the band is not doing that very well, trying to find a way to have a conversation with the worship leader or the MD to go, hey, how can we create some of this emotional kind of ebb and flow so that when we get to the bridge and it comes down and starts soft and builds, okay, what's going to be that thing that drives the build? Is it is it the keys is it something in the tracks is it a floor tom like what is the thing that's going to kind of lead us into this next emotional wave of the music and being aware from both sides the stage and the console of where those things are and how they're going to happen i think is is super helpful and you guys both you guys both do that
3: really well oh man I love what you said about knowing the music well, because I think that there's definitely uh, knowing the parts, like knowing what the band's doing, knowing what's coming down the pike. If there's a big instrumental moment, if there's a big, like, choral moment, like where vocals take it, like just knowing what to do and where and how to, you know, balance it. Obviously, if everything was just a direct input, you could treat it like a studio. But when you got live microphones in front of a PA, if something just takes off, you got to know where where everything's going where's the band going what are the vocals doing right um, and so I think it's it's really fun watching Corey I love doing that on the Elevation Tour um, that we got to be on because there was so much of this um, there is so much similarity but such different approaches even from the band's perspective on what they're doing with the room and so um, you know just joking around it's like we should just straight up switch one night <laughs> just see how it
2: goes
3: (laughs) it'd be insane but i love i love what you're saying because it's it's kind of it's a completely different it's actually kind of like the same instinct or um uh it's it's that immediate reflex i guess but it's Mm -hmm. different you're given different material so it's how to how to make that work in the room and Um, i
2: and i think too like and i feel this way but I think that mixing those moments are harder than mixing the the record bulk portion of the song um because I know what's coming when we play XYZ song I
3: right. don't
2: know what's coming in between um and both of our bands are incredibly talented and you know they can go off and do anything at any, at the drop of a hat. And so I think those are the times when I tune in the most and I'm listening to the MD and I'm trying my best to like follow along, but also be mindful of the room and what's happening and react accordingly to both things simultaneously, which I think takes, I think that's what, I mean, that takes a lot of years of just reps Mm -hmm to really lock in with that and, totally. and so those are the challenging times of mixing for me for sure
0: and sometimes can be the most fun like i love i love knowing exactly what's coming and i love being able to sort of follow the script and have muscle memory about this tom phil or that guitar lead that's great but in those moments where you're just kind of holding on going okay i think i know what they're gonna do Ooh, i was right you know that mm-hmm. that can be super satisfying as well but i think Again, like you said, having the reps to know, okay, it's not that they always do the same thing, but there are tendencies that I can kind of predict over time that, okay, this is going to be one of those moments, you know, And, and I think for them musically, it's equally challenging not to always do it the same way every time because then you run the risk of Okay, here we go again. They're gonna come way down. She's gonna say this or he's gonna do this. Now we're gonna build back up and then it's gonna get huge again. You don't want the audience to get sort of predictably hmm. lulled into this boredom almost. It's
3: like, yeah. no,
0: how do you keep it fresh?
3: Yeah. I know with uh with Carrie and Cody too, like I I watch them lead all the time and I and I uh you are part of the same church. So it's kind of that same culture, same idea when we go out on the road. I mean, there's like, you start off in a moment where you're lingering, Carrie and Cody know how to linger. They do it all the time. So when Mm -hmm. it's like getting into that moment, it's like, they are literally going into that place themselves. They're, they're mindful of what is happening in the room and mindful of how to lead it, but they're also leading by example. So you have that three, four minute moment that could get awkward, but they are going in themselves and they're having that moment with God themselves. And yeah. so it's like, it kind of causes you to think, I need to do that too. Like I'm having my moment with God at the console, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking around the room and making sure that it feels like everyone can have that moment. So I don't want it to be distracting. I don't want it to be, you know, just blowing people's heads off. You know, it, it has to be a moment that, that we can all kind of feel, okay, this, this is a safe place to try something new and mm. and being able to lead through that
0: that's a great point because if it was if it was manufactured or if it was sort of contrived then everybody know, knows that it feels inauthentic and yeah. that's then the it last, really gets awkward <laughs> that's the last thing we want because yeah then it just tur- it totally falls apart and everybody feels like okay this is weird <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Good. But like you said, knowing the music, but also knowing the musicians. I've watched Corey work with his musicians, and it's, it. There's a way that he does it. I called before this started. I called Corey the LeBron James of mixing and production. <laughs> it's like he. It, but I will say, it's it's like actually twenty to thirty percent craft, and it's actually seventy percent of who he is. It's his personality. It's being able to communicate well and go up without just blasting someone and saying they're the worst drummer. Like they become, like they're friends. And it's like, okay, let's figure this out together and try new things together. And they, um, Cody actually told me one time, it's like, you're a translator. You have to know both languages well. You actually have to know uh, how to lead worship and know how to do audio. Like there's actually this kind of musical thing that takes place where you have to know what the room needs sonically. But- It's gonna come from the drummer, so you have to work with them. Um, But there can uh, there can a lot of times be this wall that happens between tech people and worship band people in churches. And I know that um, we've had this conversation, and I know that you said like even with MXU, you guys have have talked about this. But that can't be two separate things. It actually has to kind of be one team. It has to be one approach. It's a it's a relational. Equity that's put into um, what happens from the platform and but from behind the console. It's it's like you said, Jeff, at the beginning. Like I want to play the band. Well, that means being a part of the band. It means knowing right. your band. It means working with your band um, and worship leaders and and even congregation. A lot of times, like the people who are there. Um, something that really helped me when I first started, I was out. Um, <laughs> I was asked. I think my first real gig um, with Carrie and Cody was a Joyce Meyer conference, and and so I, I walk in from Church World where I kind of stumbled upon live audio, and then I'm at this massive like arena thing that's happening, and it's not a rock and roll show. This is Joyce's thing where people are there to hear her and it's, it's kind of lower in volume. But what really helped me when I was mixing was having um, the person who was kind of overseeing audio kind of reach over in the middle of our set and he'd point people out in the crowd and say, "That gentleman over there is my uncle, and look, he's encountering God, Or that lady up there. Yeah. She's, my, she's my aunt Linda. She's been going here for 40 years, and she's having a, a moment with God. And it actually caused me to look around the room at the people who were in there that weren't belonging people, they weren't, um, you know, young rock, rock and roll club show people it was this room full of people that i had never mixed for and trying to play to the room it really helped me think okay coming from off stage or coming from my comfort zone i have to mix just a little bit different it's the same instincts it's the same reflexes but it's it's knowing how to work that for the people that are in there with you
0: that's so good well i think you know anybody who's been around mxu at all has heard us say that over and over again so you know, what's worth remembering is worth repeating. So it's always nice to hear those same things from a different (laughs) voice because I think we all need to agree uh, around that. It's like, man, relationship, knowing your band, having those conversations, having that relational capital. We can't reinforce that enough. That's awesome. So I do want to spend a couple minutes talking about the how because Brenton, I saw you do something that I think might be a really cool tip for people. So you have basically... A macro that controls the essentially low pass filter of your guitars, and you use it in a way that I've not seen before. So mm. when we get to those moments of those transitions or this down moment or whatever, it's like you've just got it on a button that your guitar group, any high frequency stuff, even as low as like 1K and up, yeah. just shelves Mm -hmm. and i thought man what a cool way to just take some of the uh, out of this moment take a little bit of bite out of all those guitars and just sort of darken it and soften it and it creates this texture that is really cool so can you talk about how you landed on that and you know what what that does for you in your approach
3: yeah i don't really remember how i landed on it i just felt like i need, I was doing it all the time i literally was like grabbing so i throw all my guitars through a group and i really don't do a ton to that group i i process it a little bit um but really it's that reason of grabbing the low pass and just bringing things down or if if it's a shelf i'll bring it down so um it was the same kind of thing like you have it was texture that i was trying to create it was this mid-range thing that would happen in these low moments where you, you have like a piano and a pad but i wanted more than just a pad and the guitar players are still playing but a lot of times in those real soft moments if i push guitars i'm also pushing up uh amp noise and um you know like hiss um you know high end stuff that I it's too loud. Like I really don't need to hear like their pick noises or like their, their fingers on the fretboard. I just want to hear the texture they're creating in the mid range. And so I'd just low pass it out. And then it becomes another bed of pads. That's guitar world. That's really wide and different textures from each player. And I, w- I just caught myself doing that all the time. It's like, just add this to a macro. And there were a couple of ways I tried it. I tried doing like an actual, um, uh, like snapshot on the console where it would fade over a few seconds. Mm-hmm. And then I tried just doing it as a macro, like setting it from wide open to like a one K roll off. And for me, I'm pretty musical, like rhythmic with it. So I, I, I kind of got away from the fade in and out thing. Cause there's times where I just want it to hit, like when, the yeah. guitar, when the drums come in, I just want the guitars to get bright too. I want everything to kind of come back to life. So I just kind of ride with it um in moments where if the band's coming down losing all that top end isn't gonna sound crazy um and so because everything else is still up there overheads are still working like everything's still bright so if i hit it it's not like something just dissipates or falls away but you've still got all the level of that mid-range there so it's not like the guitars disappear either so it's just something i was trying and yeah just kind of well Tool. It's
0: super effective. It works great. <laughs> I thought, man, this is this this would be a good a good thing to talk about because I think people could definitely benefit from that. And Corey, I saw that you were doing more than I had seen before with filters too. Like you're you're using high pass filters during the set to create impact or to make a change. And I don't think many people think about, okay, my high pass filter could actually be variable throughout the song to great effect. So talk about how you're using filters because it, it could be really helpful.
2: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, my band is humongous and there's lots of things happening all the time. Um, and so, and I think Jeff, you have pointed out, like you'd, you'd pointed at my smart RTA and, you 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 kind of highlighted this low mid region and you're like I love I love that this is all here.
0: Well, that was going to be um, my next question. So we'll talk about that too because yeah. the I think a lot of people like what struck me about your mix in general was how much impact was in the low mids. And I think, you know, it's funny. I noticed several times as I would look over to everybody's RTA there's this sort of hole anywhere between 180 and 250 like in fact a couple of guys in their smart computers have this target curve that's going from you know the upper left of the screen to the lower right of the screen it's sort of here's my here's my target and the line is is very linear obviously but then there's this little dip in this low mid thing because everybody is not really, I don't want to say they're afraid of low-mids, but there's this tendency, I think, as we try to find clarity in our mix to assume that this frequency range is bad. Yeah. And I loved, one of the things I loved about your mix was how much impact there was in that frequency range and you weren't shying away from 180. You weren't, you weren't afraid of 200 hertz. And it was, it was powerful. Like even in the vocals, there was a low-mid richness that is rare nowadays. So sorry to interrupt you, but talk about that some more.
2: I think, I mean, that's all, again, that's all approach. um, And like, like where are we trying to get to? And I think, you know, again, like I talked about, my dynamic range options are very small because we come out of the gate swinging. And for me, that, that block of frequencies is probably the most important part of it feeling big, um, and and feeling big without volume um, comes comes into play with that. And so, like the high pass filter thing is that's all you know to get all of that. I think this year I really like was inspired by something Chris Raybold said last year, which is you have to like all of the frequencies, but you don't have to like all the frequencies in everything. And so (laughs) some of, and it really was like, you know, everyone joke, like I joke, like I hate this frequency and I hate this frequency. And that comment made me stop saying that because I don't hate that frequency. I just don't like it in a vocal or I just don't like it in snare drum. And so there's, there's a little bit of that, that, you have to really carefully craft the low mids because when I have eighty inputs coming from the stage, all carrying low mid. You know, I think that's the you have to you have to be very careful and tread lightly. Um, and so, you know, there's certain things like guitars and keep like piano, B three, some of that stuff. You know, in when the full band is playing, I high pass my my piano up to 150 because I have bass guitar and I have an organ and I have tracks that are carrying a lot of that. But in that transition moment, when no one else is playing, I have to get all of that back because I've had it through the whole song and to keep the momentum and the feeling and the emotion. Of, of the mix I need to put that back into something and, and a lot of the times it is piano um, so I'll roll it all the way back to 60 and push the volume of it but then as soon as the band comes back in that's too much and I can't do that so I, I push it back up to whatever it is um, and it just helps me maintain this feeling from my mix in loud and quiet moments um
0: this is such a great insight
2: the answer is not always volume like sometimes it is just tone and eq and you have to kind of finesse all of that together and it all has to work together
0: yeah because if the if the bass guitar and the snare drum and guitars and other things tracks that are giving you that low mid thing go away then the overall tonality of your mix changes if it's not in yeah. the instruments that are remaining. I, I think that that is a huge tip for people who struggle with this because it's your your goal is to make sure that the overall tonality stays consistent. And sometimes that involves adding some of that tonality back into certain instruments that may have it cut when everybody's playing. That's that's huge. That's awesome. Love that. Well, what about your vocals, Corey? Because I noticed your, your mix compared to other bands, um, the vocals were much more full range than some of the other singers on stage. And it's not a, it's not a slight against them at all because their vocals all sounded really good. But um, when there's a struggle to get more out of a vocal in a big room like that especially, you know... You're using more than just a fader to make that happen, and I think you're getting it out of the tone more than just the volume. So yeah. that can be dangerous with a vocal though, because obviously, you know, in the in a big room, sometimes you have to, you know, anything that anything that feels like it could get muddy, everybody thinks so. That's a danger zone. I got to cut that and just, you know, be done with it. But your yeah. vocals, you know, you had that richness to it from the low mids, so. What are you doing to vocals? That's different from maybe what you would do to the piano.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, vocals is probably the most like intricate and complicated part of what I do. Everything else on the console is a EQ into a compressor out out to the PA. Um, the vocal thing is is a lot more challenging because I have a, eight, sometimes eight or ten vocalists and they all are worship leaders and they all lead at different points through the night. Um, and a lot of our music is very heavily supported by vocals. Um, like when we, when we get into some of the songs like Gyra, I'd argue that most of the mix is vocal. Um, cause that's kind of the vibe of that album. And, yep. um, <clears throat> so in that regard, it is really important for me to have some body and, um, And I don't know that I would even say that warmth is the right word. Like, I want my vocal to, like, have impact. Like, um, And I think, again, like, that's some crafting with some high-pass filters because, I I mean, I high-pass pretty high, but I'm also trying to get some of that impact, that 200 impact. And so there's a combo of compression, some multi-band compression, and just EQ that kind of accomplish that, and so every vocal chain is the same. I'm kind of doing the same moves. You know, frequencies might shift a little bit depending on the singer, but it's just EQ into compression into deessing, and at the very end of my chain, I have a pretty like important like multi-band compression. Um that I'm doing to kind of control all of that stuff. And it's all just doing reduction in certain spots, in certain areas. And I think if you were to watch that throughout the set, that's kind of the dance of the vocal to keep it where it is and where it needs to be. Um, Especially when we're talking like low mid and like high mid, like 4k, 5k. If I turn that off, those vocals would kill you with some of those high frequencies But I need them because everything else is so dense, and so it's I've I've spent a lot of time trying to refine that of like where I DS or where I control low mid high mid stuff, Um, and also like vocal capsule is important, PA tuning is important. Like if I'm if I'm taking top end or if I'm adding top end to my vocals with the microphone we use, then the PA is too dark. And I need to brighten the PA up. So there's some mile markers there that I kind of use That's to good. make sure that things are in in order.
0: Yeah. Well, what I love about your vocals in in the mix that I heard a couple days ago was, in spite of all of that staging of compression, they never sounded small. They never they never sounded overly squeezed. They didn't sound limited. It didn't sound. It just it was just open and transparent Mm -hmm. they all sounded like their natural voices you know i know jenna and john sal and so hearing him sing same god i felt like he was talking to me because it sounded like his voice you know sometimes you hear a singer and it's like it just it just sounds smaller it just sounds overly processed or whatever and his was just so open and present and clear it was just it was just great so anyway great great job for those of you who didn't get a chance to see any of passion's live stream or check it out there may be a way to still catch clips of it i know passion will probably post um, the talks i don't know if they're going to post any of the music but if you have a chance to check it out while it's still up please do because it was all the all the bands were stunning so Guys, this has been a great conversation. I'm so grateful for both of you, not just as engineers, but as men and as leaders in our sort of tribe of production folks. I know a lot of people look up to both of you. And so I just want to say publicly, you know, I appreciate your leadership in that and I'm just grateful for the way that you're just open handed with what you do. And so for anybody who has further questions or wants to reach out, kind of let everybody know what's the best way to get in touch with you?
2: I'm tough. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. Uh, I mean, I, I try to get back on Instagram DMs as much as I can. Um, and I think this year I'm trying to be more diligent about posting some of that kind of behind the scenes stuff of a vocal chain or a, a high pass filter on a piano. And so hopefully that that's coming down the line. Um, people can just kind of have the those resources around um yeah
3: how about you brent yeah same uh i kind of fancy instagram that's about all i'm really on um but definitely like even yesterday i got a a question about like tuning live and kind of what i prefer and what i've tried and so i got in a conversation about it a bit but same thing it's kind of uh dms are about all it's at and i often delete the Instagram app off of my phone just for a good season. <laughs> so, well, but, uh, there's nothing wrong uh, with that.
0: Um, I'll just leave it at that. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Well, we need to get you guys um, to help us with some MXU content as well. Um, we're we're going to be building and building and building our content library even more so this year. So we'll definitely make sure that your voices are part of the conversation because I know you have a lot to add to this community. But for today, thank you guys so much for being here. I'm just grateful for you and uh, can't wait to do this again.
2: Can't wait. We should uh, we should do a video series where we, we switch bands. And That'd be so each fun. Bands. Oh man, it'd be
3: a, a blast. That'd <laughs> That'd be or be a awesome. disaster in my case. Or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, thanks guys. Honor to be a part, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, us.
2: thank you.